0: This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. And now, if there wasn't enough on our plates, we've got to get our heads around the multiverse. The multiverse, if you haven't been keeping up, is based on the idea that the universe is both too limited and also too cumbersomely enormous to zip around plausibly. But what if there were an infinite number of different ones, all linked together and all able to be accessed in the blink of an eye? If you don't feel tired yet, you will soon. Believe me. Hi guys. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. I just washed my hands. That's why they're wet. No other reason. The first official movie multiverse, meaning it was semi-mentioned in the title, was the ingenious animated Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, in which teenage Spider-Men, Spider-Girls, a robot, a pig, and Nicolas Cage collided in hyperspace. But that was just the start. We tampered with the stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Last year a more formal version featured in Spider-Man No Way Home, while this year sees Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. And this week, as a sort of palette cleanser, I suppose. There's a mad mashup of those, bits of old family movies, kung fu actioners, and the daddy of all modern multiverses, the Matrix series. No wonder it's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mom, just wait. No time to wait. Very busy. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of evolution. If you can imagine it, somewhere out there, it exists. But although the multiverse seems recent, it's been around for ages. Doctor Who uses it all the time. H.G. Wells dabbled in it. It was first postulated by the ancient Greeks, for goodness sake. But it really started flourishing with the explosion of comics and sci-fi paperbacks. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. The multiverse idea trades in that oldest of science fiction questions, what if? What if Hitler won the Second World War? What if apes took over the Earth? What if there was a planet where I was the most intelligent person there? What if I didn't make it through those sliding doors? How much would your life change if you were ten minutes early? Hello! Instead of ten minutes late. Helen? I had just caught that train. I'd been home ages ago. Don't want to go wondering about things like that. The multiverse is a terrific idea, but what do you do with it? Can you simply keep jumping from one digitally created world to another one? Anyone remember a wildly OTT French comic book movie called Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets? The City of a Thousand Planets, where for hundreds of years every species has shared their knowledge and their intelligence with each other. It's paradise. Amazing. I occasionally wake up in a cold sweat thinking I have to try and explain the plot of that film again. Modern digital effects can pretty much capture anything multiverse fans can dream up, but making anyone care about it is another matter. In fact, maybe the best uses of a multiverse aren't really sci fi at all. Remember Groundhog Day's endless variations of the same day. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. He's out of his gourd. Another version of what happens if you change small things in one universe was the equally ingenious Back to the Future series. Now, the time continuum has been disrupted, creating an alternate 1985. There have been a few changes. It's like we're in hell or something. No, it's Hill Valley, although I can't imagine hell being much worse. And I suppose you could argue that Frank Capra's 1946 Christmas favourite, It's a Wonderful Life, imagining a world without George Bailey, was the multiverse in action too. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. Wait a minute here, wait a minute. Well, let's dive into our own alternative reality. All the Old Knives imagines a world where old-fashioned spy thrillers are still a thing. The Last Bus imagines the internet rallying behind a pensioner, bus hopping from one end of the country to the other. But first, all aboard the multiverse, everything, everywhere, all at once. The writer directors of Everything Everywhere All at Once call themselves Daniels, Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, and they clearly share a unique view of the world, or rather, the universe, or rather, an infinite number of universes. But it opens prosaically enough. Evelyn Wang is trying to sort out her taxes. Mrs. Wang. Mrs. Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. She owns a struggling laundromat with some help from her husband, Waymond, with a W, and her daughter, Joy, with an awful lot of eye-rolling. What makes it interesting is that drab, middle-aged Evelyn is played by martial arts legend Michelle Yeoh, and Deirdre, the sarcastic tax clerk, is the usually chic Jamie Lee Curtis in an unflattering fat suit. Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story... I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. But the story is about to get considerably weirder. Husband Waymond may not actually be her husband. This one's certainly not from around here, and he's got a fair amount of exposition he's about to launch into. Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of i from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, I'm to help you. ki Kwan, who'll play several versions of Waymond before he's through, is naggingly familiar. It took a recent screening of the second Indiana Jones movie to jog my memory. That's right, he was the incredibly annoying kid in it. Since then, he's done nothing much for over 20 years. Until now. Across the multiverse. <laughs> of Evelyn. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even the skills. As Evelyn understands it, she's living in one universe, the workaday do your taxes universe, but constantly commuting to other ones, a lot of other ones. In the multiverse, you can live up to your ultimate potential. What's happening? <laughs> Wait, to you link your consciousness to another version of yourself. In one, she's an opera singer. In one, she's an animated figure. In one, she's a kung fu master. In another, she's a big deal movie star walking a Hollywood red carpet looking for all the worlds like Michelle Yeoh. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. But in every universe she travels to, she finds herself in mortal combat with another Deirdre. Jamie Lee Curtis has to win this year's Good Sport Award for first donning the horrible fat suit under a mustard yellow jumper and then stapling a tax receipt to her forehead. Do you think this is funny? There's no going back. It gets worse in one highly publicized universe. She and Michelle are lovers, despite being handicapped by having fingers the length and consistency of hot dog Frankfurters. I'd like to have been at the meeting where the Daniels pitched that to their two distinguished stars. It's crazy! You're starting to get it. but one, it looks like a wildly over-caffeinated romp, the slogan, if you can imagine it, is taken to extremes, surprisingly, there is a little more to it. The main battle that takes part in every universe is between Evelyn and her daughter, Joy. Yes, they've thrown some of Greta Gerwig's ladybird into the mix, too. He's waiting in the wind. The universe speaks of things is so much bigger than you, you realise. Star Michelle Yeoh has confessed how bewildered she was when she first read the script of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. But having embraced it, she's now absolutely crucial to the story. She can switch effortlessly between middle-aged Chinese mum to the kung fu action she made her name with in all those Jackie Chan and Jet Li movies. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Ha I'm really good. And while the action ricochets through the multiverse, throwing logic and the laws of physics to the wind, at its heart is a story as old as the movies. Families, eh? What are you going to do? Particularly mothers and daughters. Will they kill each other or can they eventually get along? Of all the places I could be... I just want to share with you... Whether such a well-trodden path is improved by throwing so many elements into the blender, it's appropriate that the opening shot is clothes tossing about on a washing machine. The film is fun if you're in the right mood and have a strong enough stomach. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. And you can't complain that the title didn't warn you. Everything, everywhere, all at once offers pretty much all you can imagine, good and bad. But like an earlier movie multiverse, The Wizard of Oz, it reminds you that at journey's end, there's no place like home. Don't let anything distract you from it. For a man who's meant to be ailing, English actor Timothy Spall is having a very busy 2022. He popped up in Spencer as a toff, in It Snows in Benidorm as an unlikely romantic lead, and now he's put on 30 years or so to play 90-year-old Tom on an allegoric journey via public transport. It's called The Last Bus. Where to? End, please. 800 miles away. You new start. The journey is between the best-known geographical points in Britain, though I'm not sure if anyone's ever had the cheek to do it in a movie before. Old Thomas lived most of his life in John O'Groats at the northern tip of Scotland, but he was originally from Land's End in southwest Cornwall, where he met and married the love of his life, Mary. If any of our lovely listeners are out and about today, keep your eyes peeled for a mystery pensioner on a journey of over 800 miles from one end of the country to the other, one local bus at a time. When Mary died, she and Tom were already planning this trip, we're told. And it's devised to take advantage of another mythic British emblem, that proof of being a pensioner, the bus pass. What's your name? Tom. Hello, mate. Are you all right? What are you doing out at this time of night? You're coming home with us. Tom's travelling. For my wife, I hope you make it. We follow Tom as he hops from one short-trip local bus to another. In fact, part of the appeal of the last bus is spotting the wide range of buses. White, blue, green and black, teal, a red double-decker. And along the way, he strikes up acquaintance with lots of fellow travellers. Stay funny, watch me smile. I can make it last for miles in. Somewhere. Oh, far, far away yeah. That sounds exciting <laughs> It looks as if we're following Tom's itinerary through the UK but in fact the whole film directed by veteran Scottish filmmaker Gillies McKinnon was shot for budgetary reasons entirely in Scotland goodness knows where they got all the buses from and apart from one or two longer scenes the bulk of the film is watching Timothy Spall doing not much on various buses I think I know you You are a brave man. Please take this. Oh, your money's not good on your mate, come on. Thank you. It's weird how a bunch of lyrics put into a song takes your extraordinary... Well, so much of the story has to be internal. Old Tom's memories of him and Mary courting, their early days in Cornwall, and the later years with Downton Abbey's Phyllis Logan given not enough to do as the wife with the secret sorrow. We should have gone home. When you ask me to. I'll get us there. I promise. There are a few pleasant scenes along the way. Tom missing his stop near a B&B and being found adrift in the middle of the night and later being adopted by happy football fans or a late-night hen party. You don't have to do this. Yes, I do. I love you, Tom. And tonight you don't want to go home. But they underline the fact that Tom's just a ship passing in the night, so to speak, and there's no way that any of these scenes can actually build to anything much. All right, we see Tom's busmates regularly filming him on their smartphones, particularly when he stands up to a racist bully picking on a Muslim mother and child. Shouldn't be picking fights at your age. I asked you to get off with those spots. You're urging. Oh. Sling your rock. When it's over, that's it, surely. However, in the alternative reality of the last bus, old Tom becomes an online celebrity. Hashtag old guy in bus sort of thing. Just as well, it turns out a Scottish bus pass is illegal south of Hadrian's Wall. What's this? It's my bus pass. You bumped 300 odd miles Oh, He's an old man. I'll pay for his ticket. In the end, it's hardly a shock to the system when Old Tom conquers various obstacles to reach Land's End. But the audience for the last bus is unlikely to complain about a predictable hanky-dabbing conclusion. Frankly, many of them were just there for the buses anyway. And today you tried stay what are you all doing here? We came for you. you. All the Old Knives is the cryptic title of a spy thriller currently showing on Amazon Prime. Perhaps it made more sense in the best-selling novel by American writer Olin Steinhauer. But it's straight out of the John Carré playbook of spies, double agents, moles and betrayals. Henry. Celia. It's been a long time. They've opened the books on Flight 127. Ace spy Henry, played by Chris Pine, is summoned by his boss Vic, Lawrence Fishburne, to investigate an old scandal when Flight 127 was hijacked in Vienna. The CIA was called in to manage the proceedings, but new evidence suggests someone may have been passing on inside information to the hijackers the hijackers had help from inside our station here in vienna we need to find out if we had a mole and among the prime suspects is former agent celia played by Fandy Way newton she quit the agency shortly afterwards complicating matters was the fact that she and henry were personally involved at the time vic has me looking into flight 127 so this is an interview i thought you were here to see if we still had that old spark To old friends. Oh, you can do better than that. To old lovers. Henry and Celia, sounding more like characters in an old Noel Coward play than modern-day spies, meet up again eight years later in California. There's a certain amount of tiptoeing around. After all, they haven't seen each other since Flight 127 blew everything up. December 2012. Paint me Celia's picture. I was living the dream then Flight 127 happened. I have to say I've always rather liked Thandie Wayne Newton, particularly her stunning performance in the TV series Line of Duty. Here she gets less to do, but it's not really that sort of film. It's basically an updated version of an early Le Carre hit, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. In other words, an hour and a half of Spot the Bad Apple. The hijacking appears to, to have this taken this this the part most tragic development. A... Someone in our station betrayed us. What about you? Vic cleared me. Really? When we flash back to the day of Flight 127, the room is full of potential suspects. As well as Celia and Henry, not to mention Vic himself, who was running Vienna Station at the time, there's the always suspicious figure of Jonathan Price as Celia's mild-mannered boss, Bill. No, 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 no. What's the situation? The plane landed, then they took it over. There are six Americans on board and they've already killed the stewards. The ambassadors on the phone with the Minister of Foreign Affairs were scrambling a task force upstairs. Aside from being played by an English actor, usually tantamount to a confession in an American spy film, his name's Bill. Wasn't Bill the name of the baddie in Tinker Tailor? I can't remember. Meanwhile, the script feels it incumbent to throw in a few red herrings. All right, time to shake up our networks. Bill, Celia, that's you. Ernst, call in some favours with the Austrians. Owen, cut through the chatter. Find out what they're planning next. Certainly. I want you to dig deeper into each one of these assets. Yes, Personally, I had my eye on the tortured Owen, despite his lack of lines. He's played by an English actor called David Dawson, who was absolutely terrific as King Alfred in the TV series The Last Kingdom. Now, that was a show that really did use a lot of old knives. If we started shouting mole, that would have been it for all of us. We look at the evidence, we follow the facts. Are you accusing me? We want to keep this quiet. We can't afford the embarrassment of a prosecution. If it's Celia Harrison, I need to know the man I send can do what's necessary. In All the Old Knives, the story swings between now, as Henry and Celia revive an old relationship and shine a new light on an old case, and what went on in Vienna. Like all post-Cold War scenarios, real-life names offer modern-day relevance. And terrorists and international corruption, sadly, never go out of fashion. What are their demands? Five prisoner releases, two here in Austria, three in Germany. We have 24 hours. What's the likelihood of the Austrians and Germans giving it? still waiting to hear from Merkel's people. The assessment is that she'll fold. So we don't know This is a film based on an old-fashioned airport book from the time when there were airports selling books. It's probably found the right home on a streaming service like Amazon Prime. There are one or two too many hang-on-a-minute plot holes to pass muster at the cinema, maybe. Got her right here in front of me. I can do this clean, but it has to happen now. It's the things that we don't know that get to me. Who are you? What we had was real, wasn't it? Fans of Chris Pine and Thandewa Newton will probably be pleased to see them in All the Old Knives, though, like its title, the plot feels a bit rusty at times. But hopefully there are some new knives on the way for both of them. And as we shut this week's cutlery drawer, it's time to go... I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect.